to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey Amanda. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are here with a book recommendation episode. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, you're in the right place, so stick with us. Book recommendation episodes are meant to persuade kind of like persuade you to read a book with us hopefully convince you to read one um today we'll Mm -hmm. be attempting to persuade you to read a young adult novel called we are okay by nina lacour we'll spell the last name um just for clarity if you're googling it or going to your books local bookstore it is l-a-c-o-u-r so that's the last name we are as i mentioned the lightly literary podcast where a book club discussion and book analysis podcast we also do book recs that's what you're listening to now we have facebook accounts and um well one account and an instagram account up if you want to follow us on social media we are at the lightly literary podcast which is all one word on both of those so give us a follow there we keep our book schedule posted we do some promotions for the books and reminders of what we're reading and you know some light thoughts and stuff like that so check us out on those platforms like i said it's a book rack we're going to try and persuade you we hope you haven't read this book yet if you're listening um our attempt uh, goal today is to give you an intro to the book make its case for why it should be interesting to read and kind of talk about what it's about. We don't want to spoil, so today's episode is not dedicated to that. We're not really going to analyze the book in a deep way. We're not going to spoil stuff. We don't want to ruin the reading experience for anybody, so don't worry about those things. Let's get into the details of the book, which, Amanda, you chose, right? I did. Talk us through, well, yeah, convince us first, or talk us through first why you chose it, and then I'll do the reading from the cover to give the audience a sense of what it's about, but why did you pick it? Um, I was in the bookstore and I was just like kind of looking around and um, Mm -hmm. I saw this one that was out for like um, uh, one of the tables was specific to like dealing with emotions. And so I was like looking through and I saw that this one had won the, um, I think the Pulitzer, right? And um, not Pulitzer. Maybe nominated? It's got something on the cover. Yeah. It's, It's a giant P, guys. Michael Prince Award. There you go. So I saw that it was an award-winning book, and then when I read the back, I was like, "Okay, I'll I'll try this out. Why not?" That's from the. I I just read the bottom. I'm sorry, I hate to interject, but let's you know we want to be precise here. We're we're a Pulitzer-winning podcast, so we you know we do our (laughs) diligence. Speaking of the speaking of that glorious body, no, it's from the American (laughs) Library Association. Which is a pretty so huge, librarians love it. yeah, it's a huge organization. So that's, I'm sure that's got some, that's got decent credibility behind it. I don't know the technicalities of that, you know, what body makes it up, but like, that's a huge number of literary people. So yeah. I hope it's at least, it's, that seems like a respectable award for sure. Yeah. And, um, so I quickly like went online and I was like looking to see, uh, basic, scores like you know ratings for this book and they were all like really well rated so i was like okay i'll, I'll try this book out it seems like it'll be interesting so gotcha. i was looking for a young adult book that would be that would defy my expectations yeah we have tried only one other explicitly ya book before called they both die at the end and we had kind of a middling response to it it's it was worth mm-hmm. recommending in certain with certain readings in mind but i think both of us came away neutral or underwhelmed Well, depending on how we looked at it. But anyway, so this was kind of a return to that to see how it would go. Also kind of a compelling title. Both have good book titles that are like weirdly over and understated in kind of a cool way. So (laughs) anyway, um, 
let's dig into it then. We'll start our book recommendation um, actually with a reading. So I'm going to read from the back cover just to give you, listener, a full sense of the actual kind of plot summary, and then we'll dig in after that. So... Marin uh, hasn't spoken to anyone from her old life since the day she left everything behind. No one knows the truth about those final weeks and the tragedy Marin has tried to outrun, not even her best friend Mabel. Now, months later, alone in an empty dorm room for winter break, Marin waits. Mabel is coming to visit and Marin will finally be forced to face everything that's been left unsaid and confront the loneliness that has made a home in her heart. It is an intimate whisper that packs an indelible punch. That's, and then we'll just pause there. It's, yeah, so kind of a quiet story of grief and loss and some other things. Let's do some rapid-fire recommendations. Um, do you want to start us off? This is when we bounce some quick prompts back and forth to each other and see what we think. Do you want to start off with one of your rapid-fire recommendations? Yeah. Um, I think that you should read this book if you've ever felt grief or even if you haven't felt grief. Yeah. It's, it is comforting in that way, showing the different ways you can process or fail to process grief. I think if you're in the middle of grieving... Maybe not. Don't read it. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe yeah. do. I don't know. Everyone's different. Some people like to dig into their emotions. But no, I think that's that's, that's well said. Um, I think you should read this book. If you are inside of a location and it is cold, preferably snowing, outside of that location. That is so perfect. Yeah, it's, this is definitely uh, a book that brings that to mind. It, that's the setting. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should read this book if you love Jane Eyre. <laughs> uh, don't i won't say more it'll spoil things but i guess i'll say that i have never read jane Eyre. i made it through all my literary studies and had never done that so but you also went heavy on the british stuff and i didn't in school yeah. so uh but i i enjoyed the book quite a lot and i had never so take yes read it if you do and if you haven't it's okay <laughs> i think you read this book if you should read this book rather if you've experienced loss i'll open that up to say i meant the loss of like a loved one an animal maybe to a pet or something but i was thinking like a person not like you lost your wallet just to be clear yeah well also it's it's i i like that you use the the word loss as as broad as that is because mm -hmm. she's dealing with more than one type yes of loss there, that is so. true that Perfect. is true well said um you should read this book if you enjoy a good sentimental cry yeah it does build to I would say one for sure, maybe a couple, depending on the type of reader you are, type of emotional state you're in, but it definitely earns at least one very hearty one. Um, and I won't say more just to, yeah, don't want to say spoiler, so to speak. I think re yeah. you should read this book if you've had a friend turn into a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which... I feel like everybody has. <laughs> uh, some people in the day. I don't know though. In the age of dating apps, I feel like a lot of people meet their partner mm. explicitly under that pretense. Now, I feel like that's actually increasingly common. Interesting. Yeah. Like it's I not. I feel that. like it's it's less common these days to have those informal social connections. I mean, it still happens. Obviously, that's you know, yeah. or work or with friends or whatever. But dating apps kind of cut that story out. <laughs> like it's you're meeting under a very specific with a very specific kind of goal. So, anyway, that's true. Um, you should read this book if you are looking for a very fast read. Yeah, like the other YA book we did, this reads really brisk. Uh, I think it's heavier stuff in here for, for my yeah. emotional money, so to speak. But yeah, it does read very quickly. And it's it's just straight mm -hmm. up short. Even if it was dense or difficult, it, it's short, but it's not, and it's still short. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. I think you should read this book. If you want to have a good cry about parents in good and bad ways. Yeah, yeah, the... 
the the parental relationships is just yeah it'll get you it got me yeah uh, <laughs> uh finally you should read this book if you like when the setting reflects the protagonist's state of mind oh yeah here's a spoiler not about the book but about our podcast episodes i celebrate that a lot <laughs> uh, we talk qu- quite a bit about the setting trying to analyze it see its symbolic meanings and, and importance in the story so there's a lot you could read into there in a good way i think mm-hmm. it's it's well yeah. done final one for me i think you should read this book if you don't mind stories that are teased out slowly in flashbacks yeah i think um the suspense and and the drawing out of the mystery through flashback that was definitely an important aspect of the book yeah for sure let's move now to another recommendation if that didn't do it a pop culture touchstone this is kind of new to us we've been doing this to give some more directly relevant things i guess on the podcast and try and talk people through it in that way so each of us has pulled some kind of element from pop culture that we think this book relates to or connects with i'll go first because i made you go first on that one amanda do you know who phoebe bridgers is no okay she's a musician she plays mostly on acoustic guitar but i think has a backup band when she plays live well we have a mutual friend who i won't say personal details in the pod uh, but we have a mutual friend who really loves phoebe bridgers i think her music's really good i it's not the kind of stuff i put on every day because i find it to have a real sorrowful note i think it's very Mm. quiet but then she also does some kind of loud stuff too kind of not screamy it's not like punk rock or anything again it's it's like quieter indie rock again a lot of it acoustic but she just plays a very somber sound very sorrowful the, her lyrics are kind of intricate and can often be poetic i would say that's i know that's generic like a lot of music writing is poetic obviously um i i've never given it a deep thought before now before i thought of her when i picked this so i don't have the right you know analytical terms ready but it's just melancholic it really is it's like a quiet melancholy Mm -hmm. type of music that can get loud when it needs to and so i just think her whole energy of being very kind of down tempo but still has a lot of depth to it um it reminded me of like phoebe bridges music phoebe bridges is the musician maybe you saw a picture of her when she released an album i forget the title of it maybe i'll search it quick but she for like one entire year every public appearance she did she just wore like a halloween costume of a skeleton that was like her whole deal (laughs) she was just like a skeleton yeah she just like wore skeleton clothes for like an entire year or something it was very it was her whole aesthetic for a while it was kind of her signature thing um, yeah, great musician. Recommend her on her own terms. But this, the tone of this reminded me of like her music. Interesting. Okay. Um, I chose the game Majora's Mask. Zelda. Oh, Majora's sure. Majora's Mask. Shout out to the Nintendo um, sixty four. <laughs> yeah, I was. Like, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's just too old of a reference. But this game is like. I mean amazing an amazing game if you have not played it then i i pity you but the the reason that i i immediately thought of the game is because um talking to one of my students before and he was uh telling me all about um how majora's mask is actually like the stages of grief um and so like i started thinking about the the actual storyline and thinking more about that um after talking to my interesting i want to say like three or four years ago about it and um and i was like man it is totally a 
a game where you're exploring the ideas of like loss and grief and and how there's like anger associated with grief and there's mm-hmm. lashing out there's isolation and then there's the searching for some kind of uh end to that misery yeah, uh, but not until you're ready for it. You yourself have to be ready for it, um, oh. and the chaos that that can wreak not only on yourself but on others around you, including the friendships that you have. So mm. the the thematic elements of that game, I think, are really spot on with this book, and that's what I was thinking about. When I well, chose when you it. yeah, I don't know. I've never done my you know YouTube video essay quality deep dive analysis into Majora's Mask honestly I mean not that it's not worthy of it I just had never thought about that game that way ever yeah (laughs) and so but when you articulate it that way I of course can't comment to the quality of that analysis based on the game but the way you said it lines up uh, perfectly with this book (laughs) so if that's true (laughs) and I believe you then yeah 100% that's yeah that that summarizes the book well for sure yeah Um, yeah yeah definitely well put Okay, two more segments left here to persuade you, dear listeners, to stick with us if you're not persuaded quite yet. The scripted pitch is what we'll do next. Each of us has prepared about a 200-word piece of writing just to articulate more clearly our thoughts and hopefully condense and combine some ideas so we can put them out in their clearest possible way. We're not freestyling these. We've written these in advance. I'll go first. I know you just finished up, so I'll I'll put it on me and take it on here. My scripted pitch is as follows. We on this podcast are fond of slim, powerful books. We, we love them. I think that's our niche. I think we found one here we can proudly add to that category. I think I'm happy to say. It's especially timely considering how we just wrapped up another YA book pretty recently. It was called They Both Die at the End. That we both had lukewarm reactions to. I think we both kind of admired it as well, some of its ideas. But like we came out of it, I think, feeling a bit more neutral about it. Maybe it was a little too heavy-handed for us. This book, by comparison, though, I think narrows its scope a bit. Doesn't want to do as much with multiple characters and voice, and it I think benefits enormously from that. There, there's still some experimentation. Um, it's flashback-based, so there's some mystery and some teasing out of stuff. But it's not as premisey and high concept, and so it just kind of benefits from clearer stakes, I guess. <laughs> clearer, like, mm-hmm. contained... Um, core of the story. So while it's economical in its ambitions, this novel still manages to find some depth when reflecting on topics like grief and friendship and and moving on. The forms of depression on display are clear, but never easily managed. Uh, And I think the characters too, they're not intricate webs of motivation and psychology, but they're neither, they're not like simplistic or cliche filled either. So it kind of works in in both ways. Uh, The story does indulge in a few of what we could now call YA tropes, like high school parties with a little bit of drama, there's some parent-child angst and disagreements, but they're not really core dramatic moments, and they, they kind of serve instead of just little pockets of characterization or setup to more important things and often like quieter things. The book it does a lot better with, I don't know, just basic human moments and some... There's some drama to it. Anyway, I'm going off script now, but yeah, some quieter things. <laughs> I'm freestyling. I'm breaking the breaking the format. Um, it is a YA novel in many ways, sure, but its emotional register is a bit harder to cleanly explain or categorize, perhaps until the ending, which I'll leave unspoiled, obviously, but you know, there's that. LaCour lets certain disturbing moments and thoughts of loss and anger linger and doesn't resolve all of them, which I think is some of the best praise I could give the book. So it's brief, yet it never feels rushed and is a pretty touching example of how sometimes the little bit of literary flourish can go a long way so good example of that Uh, definitely and the fact that she doesn't have to tie everything up quite as neatly at the end 
um, I think the is is a great way to showcase um, one of her major themes, which is just like the complexity of of grief and of forgiveness. So mm-hmm. that's um, really telling that she didn't feel that liqueur didn't feel the need to just make everything tidy at the end. Yeah. And yeah. Um, even though there are some of the YA tropes that you, you pointed out, yeah, I think that it's the, the themes are really heavy and the characters aren't as basic <laughs> yeah, yeah as you might find in some way you could you could like take this story and put it into um and have the protagonist not be an 18 year old and be like somebody who's 30 and it would still work yeah definitely you could change i mean there's logistics to change but no i agree with you there's a, a core yeah. of it an emotional core and kind of a complexity of relationships what is betrayal what is love what is like yeah it's you could do some there's some fundamental good stuff happening for sure that i think is yeah. well explored and what about yeah. for your pitch um i said Young adult novels are often dismissed by adults as being too simplistic, too heavy-handed, and too fluffy. We Are Okay by Nina LaCour defies those stereotypes. There are definitely literary elements to this novel about grief, betrayal, and growing up that will appeal to those looking for something to analyze. The characters are more nuanced and complex than what one might expect in a YA novel. There might be a heavy-handed symbol or motif or two in the novel, but for the most part, LaCour does well with allowing the reader to come to his or her own conclusions about the meaning behind her allusions and descriptions. This is a novel that deals with important themes that people of all ages can appreciate and relate to. It's definitely a fast read, especially because you want to solve a couple of mysteries introduced in the novel's beginning. Be prepared to cry as you zip through this amazing read. Mm. Yeah, it's it. We discussed this maybe even on the episodes are starting to blur together. Amanda, I'm in trouble, but I, I can't remember <laughs> it was this or the previous we just finished. The the tears though, should they come, are I think earned, which is nice. It feels good to say that we we haven't had a ton of books on the podcast that are so sentimental, maybe. Um, which we, I don't think either of us have a problem with that. We just have to, haven't happened to choose it. But I do think that this indulges in some of that, and it's it, it's earned. So, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. And the speed of it, you mentioned that too. I guess I'll comment to that and just say, yeah, and it feels good, right? <laughs> Something brief. Yeah. It's got a clear vision. I mean, we say these almost, it's like a mantra for us at this point, but it's like pick a f- small focus topic, do some depth and complexity with it, and then get out under 300 pages. Like it's, we have like this idealized book in our minds at this, at this point for the podcast, or uh, certainly mine. I should speak for myself, of course. I have an idealized version of like, the perfect thing for this book club podcast and yeah this fulfills a lot of that so kind of exciting to see that come through yeah and and even like sometimes with short novels they can be overly complex with like really difficult things to analyze and stuff and not to say that this book is like overly simplistic because there are things that you can analyze when you're reading it but i finished this book um Plus taking notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this entire book I finished in six hours. Yeah, I could see that. It's it seems yeah. like a one day read reasonably. So I know somebody yeah. we talked about said that, so Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Well said. Let's let's finish up here, listeners, with a quote for clarification. So we've talked around the book a lot, recommended it for a lot of in a lot of different ways. We will now end the episode by doing an actual quote. We're just gonna read a little selection from the story to give you a sense of the style and what reading it is like. Amanda, why don't you go first? I've taken over, so 
why don't you take give us your quote for clarification sure um this is from the beginning of the novel and it's on page two It says, without everyone's voices, the TVs in their rooms, the faucets running and toilets flushing, the hums and dings of the microwaves, the footsteps and the door slamming without all of the sounds of living. This building is a new and strange place. I've been here for three months, but I hadn't noticed the sound of the heater until now. It clicks on a gust of warmth. I'm alone tonight. Um... So what I liked about it is that we see some of the the repetition in her writing where there's a lot of parallel structure mm-hmm. and yeah. um and and it works really well generally speaking um as mm-hmm. her stylistic flourish. Um I also really like that she tries to engage as many of the senses as possible in her descriptions while still being brief and to the point in her descriptions. Um mm-hmm. and we also see that uh, the simple uh, sentence structure, like it's all simple sentences, essentially. Like it's it's really nice that it's just straight into the point. And we also see um, the the loneliness, <laughs> like just how how empty this character's surroundings are right right at that moment. So that really that that setting up for that is is really important to the to the text oh definitely yeah and economical came up earlier it's worth saying it again yeah it's very efficient and that's a a good quote to show it too also it kind of shows her i remember saying this in episode one that there's so many different ways you can look at her depression and loneliness to analyze them try and understand them it's it is pretty intricate and there's different stages to things and anyway and that quote already kind of gets that going about what it's going to be like for her to be alone and how you can be alone alone or alone with other people and hide in a room so to speak so anyway or hide in a crowd i meant to say so yeah again effective quote to get, get those ideas rolling so my quote is also from very early in the book, from page seven. There's other stuff I could have pulled, but I don't know. This book has some spoilery stuff since there is a bit of a mystery to it. So didn't want to pull from anything too late in the in the book. Um, this is when she's reflecting on, again, being alone in college um, now that it's winter break. Outside is the moon, the contours of trees, the buildings of the campus, the lights that dot the path. All of this is my home now, and it will be my home after Mabel leaves. I'm taking in the stillness of that, the sharp truth of it. My eyes are burning, my throat is tight. If only I had something to take the edge off the loneliness. If only lonely were a more accurate word. It should sound so much less pretty. Better to face this now, though, so that it doesn't take me by surprise later, so that I don't find myself paralyzed and unable to find my way back to myself. I breathe in, I breathe out, I keep my eyes open to these new trees i know where i am and what it means to be here i know mabel is coming tomorrow whether i want her to or not i know that i'm always alone even when surrounded by people so i let the emptiness in and then some stuff about the setting after that it just builds up a couple quotes i know i alluded to these ideas but it's about her yeah her depressive state her place in the world socially with friends family and just being alone um articulating that it does some subtle stuff and some slight stuff with imagery as you've mentioned a lot of nature talk it's snowing and cold in this book (laughs) at least in the present tense so that's that all kind of creeps into the story and matters in various ways and yeah, it's it's quietly observed but effective, and it never feels too YA. You, I, I doubt someone could accuse us of being melodramatic or, you know, beratingly dramatic. So 
it's yeah it's just a nice narrative voice that shows some of the realities of being alone and depressed yeah and uh, we also get a sense of um the main character's kind of ability to analyze where she says if only lonely were a more accurate word it should sound much right. less pretty her that's just like the first hint of of some of her characterization of being all about analysis and and stuff like that so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah she's got this literary mind that comes back a couple times so mm-hmm. jane air people Jane Eyre. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, okay, so those are some quotes from the actual story. Give you a sense of the style. Any final thoughts, Amanda, before we do the closeout notes here on We Are Okay by Nina LaCour? Uh, nope, I'm good. Our first strong endorsement of a YA book, but we've only done two. Yeah. So what are we? We don't know anything. <laughs> we're, you know, we're just diving <laughs> into the world of this. But yeah, this is the first one was a muted, you know, endorsement for certain people. This is a full-throated, um, I think we both got a lot out of this. Yeah, not For perfect, sure. but doesn't need to be. What's, what's the point of a perfect book? So, mm-hmm. okay, excellent. Well, let's wrap up with a couple of closing thoughts. If we did not convince you today, we apologize. We always do our best to persuade you. But if it didn't work, we have other books coming up that we have chosen, and they are Amanda what? Uh, next, we have The Inkle by Hodorowski and Mobius, which is a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Uncommon Type, Some Stories, which is a short story compilation by Tom Hanks, the actor. Mm-hmm. And then we have Jazz by returning author Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank thankfully bringing her back, two time. Didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to revisit an author who didn't deserve it. So let's get Morrison yeah. back on somebody that truly deserves multiple readings of multiple works. You know, mm-hmm. her and Stephen King just doesn't feel right. Or I, you know, whatever. <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> we're, we have many literary minds. I think that actually that feels right to me. Actually, we're, we have we don't pursue one literary goal on the pod. We explore many things. So that actually, right. I'm cool with that. Actually, and the Gunslinger was interesting. So I'm ranting now, raving, rambling. All right. Uh, we'll be covering, if you are interested in this book and following us and our discussion on it, our first episode covers chapters one through 10. So if you're going to be reading, we, we say that in the next episode. But yeah, just for clarity's sake, we'll be doing one through 10. Had you already said that, by the way? Sorry. I took no, that from you. I have not. You, you just type it in. You remember, and then I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> it's a good balance we've struck. Okay. Um, as always, people, thanks for listening. We're the Lightly Literary Podcast. Follow us, Facebook, Instagram, as I've mentioned, and uh, give us five-star ratings and reviews, if possible, whenever possible. We appreciate that. And most importantly, until next time, we'll see you between the pages. Yeah.